Hello there. You're welcome to Truth, Timeless Word with Practical Insights. Your host is Reverend Bumi Omar. And I've been ministering on the fear of the Lord for the past um, couple of weeks. And I've um, emphasized one thing that we need not fear God because we are afraid of his retribution. Or that is, we are afraid of his punishment. But we need to fear God or be motivated by, by his love. In other words, what I'm saying is that his love should be a motivating factor for fearing him. The reason why we need to honor and respect God is because he loves us. Not because we fear that he will punish us. Does it make sense? And I did also go further and say that these um, other reasons why we need to fear God is that he's worthy and there's no one compared to him. You see, he has no rival, he has no equal. He's a God almighty. He's faithful and he keeps covenant. He loves us so much that he did not withhold his son. And we sang a song last week that, yes, I see what was great, but his love is greater. Amen. And I want you to remind yourself of that. I want you to, you know, to, 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 to embrace that. That, yes, you know, you, you might have seen, you might be a sinner, you might have done horrible things, but let me tell you, God's love is far, far greater than the sin that you have seen or the sin that you can ever see. Amen. I don't think that this is a cop-out to sin unhindered because you will see it in a moment. Hallelujah. So, but one of the things I want to say or stress is that fearing God, fearing God gives us access to the things that he has made available to us. Fearing God gives us access to the things that he has made available to us. And I gave an example last week that even if you had a beautiful phone or a beautiful gadget, no matter how beautiful, no matter the features of that gadget, if you don't put it into use, it's, I mean, it's useless to you. So that's why I want to encourage us this morning that let us be driven and motivated by his love. But I want to emphasize on today's message that God does not dwell in buildings. God is not here because it's, if you like, a church building. God is here because he dwells in us. God dwells in us and among us. Amen? He says we are his temple, we are his sanctuary. So what I'm saying today, or what I want to emphasize today is that what we do with our body matters to God. What we do with our body matters to God. Your body is not just your body. Hallelujah. Talk to your neighbor and tell your neighbor that what you do with your body matters to God. Because it dwells in there. Hallelujah. God dwells in us. Praise the Lord. Anyone that have acknowledged or that acknowledges Jesus, God dwells in them. Praise the Lord. Now, turn your Bible with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And I'm going to read from verse 14. 
all through that are all through my speaking or teaching this morning, I just want you to put that behind your mind. My sin was great, but God's love is greater. My sin was great, but God's love is greater. And often and often are not. People feel that if you highlight the love of God for us, people will take God for granted. But I'll bring that to a balance as I conclude the message. Let's read together from verse 14. It reads, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion as light with darkness? And what accord as Christ with Belial? Or what part as a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement as a temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. You are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters says the Lord Almighty. Hallelujah. This is Apostle Paul revealing the heart of God for his church. In fact, the tail end of that was the quote taken out from Ezekiel chapter 37. When God was saying that, look, this is my vision for my people. Emphasizing and highlighting that Christianity is not a religion, but a relationship. It is not about what you do. It is about the relationship that you have with God the Father. Hallelujah. But I want to analyze a few things out of that. If you look at verse 14, it says, Do not be unequally yoked. Many times we have emphasized or pushed this or stressed this in case of relationship, marriage relationship. That is true. That is nothing, taking nothing because marriage relationship is forever, you know. So you can't mess around with that. You can't, you can't, you can't get yourself entangled with, with, with um, someone that is not a believer. But this is not just limited to, this is not just limited to marriage. This is limited to any form of partnership. Because the word yoked means to join together. It means to be in partnership. So this goes for business. This goes for any association. You've got to be careful with any association that you join yourself with. Any association that you commit yourself to. And you notice he said, do not be unequally yoked. In other words, there's no way that partnership can be the same. 
And I will highlight some of the reasons why that partnership cannot be the same. If you notice, let's read together. Um, it says, For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? In other words, it defines the believer as righteous, and the unbeliever, the one that has not acknowledged the lordship of Jesus, as lawless. As I've often said, the primary difference between a believer and a non-believer is that it's not that we are better off, it's not that we are so clean and so, 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 so holy, so righteous and so right. It's so, the primary difference is that an unbeliever does not have the capacity to live right for God. And does not have the capacity to live right for God because the Bible says that the will, the will or the heart of an unbeliever is held captive by Satan and they cannot do what they want to do. And that's why in Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible tells us that every one of us, before every one of us, we were under or subjected to the wrath of God because we were working on unrighteousness. He said, but God in his mercy, he saves us by his grace. In other words, by his unmerited favor, he said, we are saved not by our works, least anyone should boast. So that's why I said that, yes, I see was great, but his love was greater. Amen. Amen. It is his love that compelled our repositioning, not our righteousness. It is when he positioned us that we became right. So he said, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And he said, and what communion the word communion is a strong word. Communion is doing things together. And when the Bible talks of doing things together, it's not just like, it's not, you know, sometimes when we say, let's have communion, we take that, for, we take that very lightly. But the word in the Greek, communion is such a strong word. is a bond. A bond. It's like a covenant. And what he's saying is that what covenant, what communion, what bond as light and darkness together? You know that darkness and light, they don't argue. Have you noticed that? Do you notice that? Darkness and light, they don't argue. When you put the light out, when you put the light out, the whole place will be dark. And the moment you put the light on, Darkness has no argument. It's, darkness can't say, look, 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 I'm not ready for this light yet. There's no negotiation. Amen? Light comes, and darkness, what? Is dispelled. Hallelujah. So there's no meeting together. There's no negotiation. So as a believer, you cannot afford to be in communion with unbeliever either in marriage, in business, or in any form of strong bond or association together. And you see the reason why this is important. Look at verse 15. I said, what accord as Christ with Belial? 
Now, the word Belial there actually means Satan. And it's actually a very, very strong word. It's a very, very strong word. Belial means Satan, which is who is vile, wicked, and destructive. Is, is what? Vile, wicked, and destructive. It is without profit and it is worthless. It is without profit and it is worthless. So God is saying that why would you join yourself with something that is vile, something that is wicked, something that is destructive, and something that is unprofitable? You see, we truncate our blessing. We truncate our blessing by joining communion with unbelievers. You see, God cannot flow into that because darkness persists, lawlessness persists. And that's what we have to be careful. We've got to be careful. Then it now goes on further. You know, it didn't just stop us there. He said, what part as a believer with an unbeliever? What agreement as a temple of God? Look at that. What agreement as a temple of God with idols? When you join with unbelievers, when you join with someone who's not sanctified, he says, you are joining the, you are putting idols in the temple of God. You remember the first scripture that we read in um, Leviticus chapter 10, verse 3, when, when, when the prophets, when, when the priests were killed because they offered on harassed sacrifice. They brought what was not consecrated, what was not presented before God, what is not only before God, into his temple and he struck them. Now, out of the mercy and the grace of God, he doesn't give, he doesn't have the, he doesn't do the instant justice for now because of the grace of God, because of the presence of the Holy Spirit on earth. However, the consequences does linger on, which you will see in a moment. Then it now goes on further. I said, you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. You know, as I said earlier on, Christianity is not religion. It is relationship. God wants to relate with us. God wants to counsel us. He wants to instruct us. He wants to direct us. That is, you know, he is there. He is our God. You know, the Bible says that he is God with us, Emmanuel. Hallelujah. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He's not a distant God sitting in heaven or, or, or you know, one far place. He's very much with us. Is in us. Amen. We are his temple. We carry his presence. What an awesome responsibility. But what a privilege. Amen. So be careful what you do with the temple of God. You know. And I want to challenge us because I was thinking about this and I was saying. You know. Uh, one, one thing. Um, I remember one day I was, um, I think I was somewhere, and I saw this guy. I mean, 
This guy was, they call it ripped, you know, but his ripping was horrible. All the muscles in his body, they were like worms, you know. Have you ever seen anybody like that? You know, all, as far as I'm concerned, he looks so, I mean, you, you won't desire to go to, to the gym when you look at him, you know. But having six packs and eight packs, you know, um, it's good. You know, it's good to be fit and uh, whatever. But what I'm trying to emphasize here is that what we do with our body matters a lot. In other words, what you put in it, you've got to think about it. Look, many times we, we condemn those um, who smoke and drink. I'm not saying that I'm encouraging that. There's nothing. What I'm just trying to say is that if you're a glutton and you just eat every rubbish, you know, um, I don't want to give examples now so that some people will not, uh, you know, but you know the rubbish that you eat. You know what you shouldn't eat, you know. Um, okay, I'll just mention this one because I eat it as well. So I'm equally as guilty as you, you know. There was a day my daughter bought um, McDonald's. Um, she bought this um, chicken nugget. And I asked, and I said, what is this nugget? Because to be honest, it didn't taste like chicken. I said, yes, it's nuggets, but what is in it? They said chicken. Okay. Unfortunately, the next day, she was, uh, she was stuck in the little room. I said, you know, I told you what you ate, that I don't think that thing was chicken. But what I'm trying to emphasize is, as you see, we need to be extra careful how we treat the temple of God. We need to think, you know, it's not just, it's not just about, uh, I'm not saying that you should go to the extreme. You know, some people go to the extreme and they, they honor their body more than God. Some people would rather go to the gym than be in church. Some people would rather take um, steroids than take the word of God. You know, but what I'm saying is that get to the balance because your body is equally as important as your spirit. The body is the container of the spirit. If the body is destroyed, it can't contain the spirit of God. But most especially, you've got to regard it as holy because it is the temple of the living God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. He said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. Hallelujah. I will dwell in them and walk among them. So God dwells in us and among us. He, we are his temple. We carry his presence. You know, I know God is here, not because I can see him or feel, feel anything, but because we are here together. Amen. Amen. Because it says, we are two or three are gathered together in his presence. There he is. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And in verse 17 to 18, he now gave us a, a definite charge. He said, therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, 
and shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Now, I want to emphasize a little bit about that. When, when the Bible says that, come out of them. Is it saying come out of the world? It's not saying come out of the world. It's just saying that the partnership that we have, we've got to think about it. It's got to be right partnership. Why? Because you cannot operate within the parameter of the world and expect to see or experience the manifestation of the fatherhood of God. And what I want you to think about this morning also is that think about an earthly father. Most fathers, I mean, most fathers, all things being equal, we want to give their children everything they ask for. Most fathers. However, they may not have the means to do that. Amen? And my prayer is for every father here this morning that you not lack what is needful for your family in the name of Jesus. That the Lord will strengthen you and make a way for you in the name of Jesus. But think of this. Our Heavenly Father, the Bible says that with God, nothing shall be impossible. And if you look at that scripture, which is taken from Luke chapter 1, verse 37, that was when the angel came to, um, to Mary and was talking about how she would conceive a child. And she, was, and she said, look, but I'm a virgin. I don't, I, I'm not betrothed to anyone. I said, so how shall this happen? And the angel said, don't worry about that. With man, it may be impossible, but with God, nothing shall be impossible. Amen. So what am I saying? What I'm saying is that if that is the type of God that we serve, the God that makes everything available, he makes everything available because there's nothing that is created that was not created without him. John chapter 1 verse 3. Everything came from him and through him by him. So there's nothing that doesn't flow from me. Is that God not worthy to be respected? Is that God not worthy to be revered? Like I said last week, I said, let us come to that place that nothing comes in between us and God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 16, we learn that when Paul says that, he said, for the love of God compels us that he who died for all, we that live should also live for him. Amen. Amen. He that died for all, we that live must also or should also live for him and no longer for ourselves. Amen. That's my own version. Praise the Lord. Amen. So why should we be separated from the world? The Bible says that although we live in the world, we are not of the world. Now, sometimes, you, you are, for the sake of time, I would have loved to take you back to um, the Old Testament. When you look at Genesis, when, the, uh, when um, um, Israel and his family went to Egypt, at the point in time when they were in Egypt, God separated them from and the Bible says that they were, they were in Goshen. God separated them 
from although they were living in Egypt, their business and everything that they were doing was in Egypt. But where they dwell was in Goshen. God separated them from them. And the reason why God separated them from them is that when God wants to punish the Egyptians, he could do that without the fear that of touching the Israelites. And when God was, wants to prosper them, he could prosper them without because they were not intertwined with the Egyptians. Amen? And the Bible says that even though there was farming in the land, but Egypt, uh, Goshen prospered. Turn your Bible with me very quickly to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Tell somebody for me, your body is not your body, but a temple of the living God. Say, my body is the temple of the living God. My body is the temple of the living God. Let's read verse 1 and 2. He said, I beseech you therefore. Some translation says, I beg of you. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by what? The mercies of God that you present your body a what? A living sacrifice. Sacrifice is something that you kill. Something is Sacrifice, you know, a sacrifice is not something that is living. You've got to kill it. And when he's saying that I beg of you to present your body as a living sacrifice, what he's saying is that you must count yourself dead for God. Amen? In other words, it is not about what is comfortable for you. It's not about what is convenient for you. It's not about what you like. It's not about what you love. It is not what is pleasant. That, is, that was Eve's mistake. Eve saw the fruit. She said, it was pleasant, it was nice, and it was good for food. If this was pleasant, if this looked good and good for food, then it's good for me. But here Paul says that, look, we must, you know, we must be dead to self. We must be dead to self. Yeah. Make your bodies a living sacrifice that is what? Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. You know, that, well, that's the least you can do. Then, the verse is what I really love. It says, and do not conform to the world. The world here is talking about the cosmos, the systems of the world. Do not conform to the world. I remember when I was still in the, in the industry, and um, some of my friends that we started um, the profession together, at that time, they, they accelerated to earning big, fat salary. And I was wondering, what did you guys do? I mean, we were believers, I mean. What did you guys do? You know, kind of, you know, just learn from them. And one of them now told me, said, well, okay, I can train you to, this, to get this skill, blah, 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 and everything, and help you write your CV and doctor it. 
And when I looked at the whole thing that it was going to help me to do, it was literally I was going to really lie and deceive people that I had, had done what I had not done. And I told him, I said, ah, I'm sorry. I can't do this because what would then be my testimony if I do this? I said, it's, for me, God is not glorified because I just earned a big salary when I've lied my way or cheated my way through. I said, for that reason, I'm out of there, you know, as the dragons then would say. You know, uh, for that reason, I'm out. You know, I won't do that. Because he said, do not conform to the standard of... So for me, is that, look, if I want to see and experience the fatherhood of God, I must uphold a standard that is contrary to what the world presents so that I can testify of his goodness. Amen. Hallelujah. And look at, look, at, look at the conclusion of that verse. He said, that you may prove what is what? That, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? So in other words, to make a point, to prove that God is good, to prove that indeed God is your father, to prove in, indeed that God is kind, is gracious, is merciful, is big, is, you know, with him all things are possible. He said, we must not conform to the standard of the world, number one. Number two, we must present our body, or number one, we must present our body as a living sacrifice and not conform to the standard of the world. And this echoes what, um, let's go to um, Second Peter chapter 1. It echoes what Peter also said in Second Peter chapter 1, which we have read verse 4. If I let me read from verse 2, 2 Peter chapter 1 from verse 2. It reads, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as his divine power. Now, you have to see what he's saying here. He's, he's talking from the reverse. He said, His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. I did emphasize that, that that's, the, that's why we need to know the word of God. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. That through this you may be partakers of the divine nature. But look at the conclusion. He said, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Having escaped. So, there's the precious promises that God has made available for us that is accessible by the multiplication of grace and his mercy to us through his knowledge. But not just that, we also need to deal with the loss and the challenges that the world presents. They haven't escaped the loss. And the way we escape that is increasing our knowledge of him, experiencing his peace and his mercy that are unreservable. But we must always remember that Romans 12, present our body as a living sacrifice. You know, that was be dead to self. 
and do not conform to the standard of the world. Hallelujah. There's a different standard. So that gives us, that, that now presents to us an opportunity to experience the true fatherhood of God. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, he says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Hallelujah. As I round up this morning, you know, um, for those who think that expressing the love of God or His grace is a sign of weakness or is there an opportunity for sin or unrighteousness, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 to 9, it says that God is not mocked. Whoever sows to the flesh will reap of the flesh, and whoever sows to the spirit will reap of the spirit. In other words, you see, you can cry and lift up holy hands within the assemblies of the saints. But when you live there, what, what matters to you is yourself. Sowing to the flesh. The Bible says you reap the reward of the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you reap the word of the Spirit. Amen? You experience the real fatherhood of God. Hallelujah. And in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, um, is one scripture that's always kind of, um, if you like, jota holiness into me. He said, he honors those who honor him. And he will dishonor those who dishonor him. Hallelujah. So don't think that because God is gracious, God is merciful, we can just live anyhow and just show him disregard. Whatever a man sows, it will what? Whatever a man sows, or whatever a woman sows, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So in closing this morning, I want to highlight four things. So number one, don't use your body to serve your lust, but recognize that it is God's temple. It is where God dwells. And there's so many examples that I can give in the way we kind of lost against, uh, use our body. Thank God the signal with Jesus doesn't get lost. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. You know, that's why it's connected with Jesus. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise God. Number two, Christianity is not a religion but a relationship. Christianity is not a religion, but a relationship. Number three, God is the creator and controller of everything. 
He wants us to partake of his divine nature. Having escaped. Sorry? He wants, he's the creator of everything. And he wants us to partake of that and his divine nature. You see, there's nothing like, like any real father or any real parent. There's nothing that, even if you are telling your child, don't touch that, don't, don't take that. You're not doing it because you want to deprive them. You're doing it because you know that either they don't deserve it at that time or they're not capable of handling it at that time. You know, in other words, you're withholding it for them for their good, isn't it? You're not releasing it to them because you want to hurt them, but for their good. So if you think of it, that God created all this thing. There's nothing that is not within his reach, and there's nothing that he doesn't want to make available to us. But for us to experience that, we need, we need to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. Do not conform to the standards of the world, escaping the loss and the corruption that is in the world. And it gives us access. And that's why I said, very God gives us access to what he has made available to us already. Number three, Number four, fairy him rightly positions us to take possession of what he has made available for us. Fairy him rightly positions us to take possession of what he has made available for us. Hallelujah. So when we disregard God, you know, like um, when we disregard God, we, we're doing ourselves injustice. Because we're denying ourselves the right to take what is ours. Without, without going deeply into, I mean, you, you, uh, if you look at what is happening in the royal family, and you find that in some, um, in, um, in some of the, for example, you look at... Um, um, Harry and his wife, they, uh, they, they want certain things, but not necessarily the, it's like, it's, well, this is my own interpretation, I may be wrong. It's almost like, I want the good, but I don't want the responsibility that comes with it. It doesn't happen like that, you know. It's, <laughs> let's face it, I mean, you are born with so much billions, which is, whether you like it or not, your life is accountable to the world. You know, by that virtual position. So you'd be scrutinizing everything, you know. So that's why, you know, sometimes you can't be, you can't say, okay, I want to, I want to, I want, I want to be a royalty, but I don't want you to know anything about my life. It doesn't work like that. You can't, you know, you're a public figure. You know, it's, even on Facebook and social media, you know, they recognize that. There is, you know, you have your little profile, and you have the public image profile. The public image profile, their rules and whatever, is different from the profile of the... I think for a personal profile, there's so much friends you can have. But for a public image, you can have millions, you know? But, so that's... And that's why you, you can't say you want to enjoy the benefit of the kingdom and don't leave... You know, the second message is that leaving the etiquette or the protocol of the kingdom. You can't leave or disregard the etiquette of the kingdom and expect to be beneficiary of the kingdom. Basically, that's what I'm saying. Amen? Praise the Lord. 
So, in closing um, this morning, as a temple of the living God, the carrier of his presence, God expects and demands of us that we give up. We offer our body as a living sacrifice and do not conform to the standard and the ways of the world. In other words, he wants us to be separated from the way the world does things and live holy and acceptable unto him so that we can enjoy everything that is made available for us. Amen. Let's rise up to our feet in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Our Father and our God, we thank you, Lord Almighty, for your word that has gone forth. I thank you, Lord, because your word says that your word will not return to you empty and dead until they accomplish the purpose to which they be sent for. Before we were formed in our mother's womb, you knew us. Before we knew you, you offered yourself as a sacrifice that our sins may be taken away. You loved us so much that you sent your only begotten son to come and die for us that you may dwell in us and that you may be our father and that we may be your children. Father, we appreciate your love concerning us. And we thank you, Lord Almighty, for the opportunity that you've given unto us to reveal yourself unto us, that we might recognize and acknowledge you as our Lord, the governor of our life, the owner of our life. I thank you, Lord Almighty, for as many that have taken that step. I also thank you and appreciate you, Lord, for as many that will take that step. You did not want heaven alone for yourself. You want us to be with you there. For this, you showed your love by paying the ultimate price and allowing your son to share this blood. Die, and the third day, he rose again. So that the consequence of sin, which is death, could not hold him bound. As he was lifted and lived unto you, you lifted us up as well to be seated with you in the heavenly places. Heavenly Father, I pray that, Lord, you convict of every sin, every unrighteousness, Father, I pray that, Lord, the revelation of your love will just run deeper. More than anything, that we may recognize that, yes, our sin was great, 
But your love runs deeper. Lord, we receive the grace of God to accept your love this morning. I pray for anyone under any form of condemnation this morning. That Lord, your grace and your mercy, that the revelation of your grace will come upon them. And they will appreciate and understand your love for them in the name of Jesus. Our Father and our God, I thank you. As we begin another week, Lord, we commit it before you. And I ask to God this morning that, Lord, you go ahead of us. That you be with us. And your grace be made manifest in everything in the name of Jesus. Our Lord and our God, I thank you, Lord, for the grace to be doers of your word. I pray, O oh God Almighty, that, Lord, as you have spoken and instructed each and every one of us, that, Lord, we receive grace to be doers of your word in the name of Jesus. I pray, O oh God Almighty, that, Lord, from this moment, your love as it compels Paul not to live for himself, but for you, O oh God. Your love will compel us, O oh God, to, to live not for ourselves, but for you who died and rose again for us in the name of Jesus. I pray, O oh God Almighty, that Lord, we counted nothing to present ourselves as a living sacrifice that is holy, that is perfect and acceptable before your sight in the name of Jesus. That we may prove that which is good, acceptable, and perfect will of you in the name of Jesus. I pray that, Lord, we will experience your fatherhood and your love like never before in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. If you are here before we close this morning, you've never come to that place whereby you've acknowledged Jesus as the owner of your life. The Bible calls this as Lord. And the personal Savior, as I said earlier, our sin is great, but his love is runs deeper. For his love, he sent his son to die for us. If you are here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and your personal Savior, you want to embark on a relationship to reign and govern your life. I just want you to signify by raising up your hand and I'll pray with you. That's the first step that every one of us need to take before we experience the love and the fatherhood of God. Anyone here this morning? You're here this morning and you say, I want you as my Lord I'm a personal Savior. I want you to govern my life. Rule over me. That I might come to the place that I walk and experience the love and the fatherhood of God the Father. Anyone here this morning? 
Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord Almighty, for walking your word in the life of your people, God. Thank you, Lord, for your love that runs deep, Lord. I pray that, Lord, no one under the sound of my voice will depart the slide of eternity without knowing you as Lord and personal Savior. I pray for your visitation in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We bless you. We honor you, Lord. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's declare a declaration as we close the service this morning. I'm a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own special people, called out of darkness to proclaim his praises and declare his marvelous light. I love your law and I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and I'm wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than my teachers because I meditate on your status. I have more understanding than the elders because I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your law because you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I ate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp for my feet. A light on my path. I am God's armor and weapon of war. With me, you break nations in pieces. With me, you will destroy kingdoms. And for signs and for wonders. Sanctified, useful to the master, prepared to do every good work. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Psalm 23. Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, I walk through the valley of shadow of death. I'll fear evil. You are with me. Your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You are not my head with all. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have been blessed by this message, please do share and subscribe to ensure that you always get the latest episode. I'd like to hear from you. If you have any comments or prayer requests or counseling need, we are here to help you. If you are calling outside the United Kingdom, it's 4477-6911-9449. Alternatively, email revbumi at gmail.com. And that is R-E-V-B-U-N-M-I at gmail.com. Or connect via social media, Facebook, revb.omidurum. Or Twitter, at P-S-T-B-U-O, hashtag podcast. That is, at P-S-T-B-U-O, hashtag podcast. I look forward to hearing from you, sharing with you, same time, God bless.